0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine, podcast radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the path or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently.
1: Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome, everybody, to Tech Done Different. I'm your host, Ted Harrington, and with me here today is our special guest, Mark Edwards, the CEO of Boss Equity and the founder of Outsmart. Mark, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me. It makes change for me usually i'm um, i'm interviewing other people who invited them onto my podcast so i'm looking forward to it i can sit back and relax while you throw questions at me
1: i love it yeah that's how we originally met actually i, I appeared on your podcast we had some really interesting discussions about some things that i thought our audience would really benefit from that, that you were talking about and it was like let's let's continue this on, on mine so yeah it's, it was a, it's an opportunity to continue that conversation totally yeah and we were talking about you know generally the idea of course we can get more defined as the conversation goes but around you've spent your whole career building software companies and guiding people building software companies, that's a lot of what our audience is trying to do. And so I thought it'd be really good to have you help talk through some of the common pitfalls you've seen, some of the advice we should give. So I guess the first place to start would be, if you had to pick one, and I'm sure there's more than, more than one, but you know, what would be one of the biggest pitfalls or missteps that you see people make as they're building their software companies? And what should we be doing instead?
2: Good question. I think it's being blind to your own weaknesses. A lot of software companies are founded by software engineers. And I've seen many, many very good technology businesses fail to get the success that they need because they're partly blind to the importance of the other essential columns of success. I think it's partly they may be blind, partly they haven't got a a natural interest, for instance, in marketing, or they've got perhaps a slight fear of sales, or it could be finances. And I think you have to look at a a successful business of having strong columns of strength that the business knows. You don't have to be an expert in in every area, but you have to do it well. And you have to make sure you've got the right people around you that you can depend on.
1: That's probably true no matter what your expertise is, right? Whether you're a technical founder or you're not a technical founder, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. So how do you build those capabilities around yourself where you don't have strength?
2: I think first, the first thing is recognizing it. A lot of the, you see, on the mergers and acquisitions side, my first job is to take an honest look at a business. A company comes to me, they want to grow, they want to exit. I need to be able to make that assessment. And, you know, after doing it hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times now, you you start to be able to pick up certain things very, very quickly. But the job is, where's the, where's the core strength and where's the weakness? And you think that that's very obvious, but quite often the people within the business at a senior level are not really aware of it or they just don't want to go near it. And that's even in quite large organizations, that's not even the small ones. So it's making, it's it's really being very honest with yourself, you know, Uh, and I think you may not like it, but you've got to look at it and you've got to learn enough so that you know you're not good at it. (laughs) And sometimes that's an issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that can be uncomfortable for sure to... Address our our own weaknesses, but maybe let's talk about the people who might not even be aware. They might be blind to it. So, you in the scenario you just presented, you have the benefit of being an outs—you know—having that outside perspective, right? You can look at an organization that you didn't yourself build from the ground up, and you can very quickly key in on what those weaknesses or deficiencies might be. How does someone who how does someone even know if they're blind to weaknesses they might have?
2: I think quite often when when we when we go into you know we, we, we our job is to ask a series of questions that helps to to bring that that latent problem to the surface. I think that that in asking the right question, I think that's important. Ask the right question and it helps people to identify it themselves. I think with quite a high percentage there's there's probably almost a subconscious understanding that that is something that we've not really addressed. You know, the, the the people you see, the people that we're, we're talking to and we're dealing with all the time, they are usually they're very much above average intelligence. They're very well educated. They're very, they're very motivated people. And, and they're always wanting to drive forward. And I think that there are just there are areas of the business where perhaps their level of confidence isn't the same. And one way of addressing that is to work even harder in the areas where we are confident. And I think we just, I, you know, my part of my job is to being very frank and honest, asking questions, helping facilitate their thinking. But at some point it may be saying, you know, this area of your business, I mean, it sucks. It's really bad. We That's got to be addressed. And, and there, there are companies I come across and I think, I don't think these guys are ever going to want to address that. And, and I don't want to work with them. I think that maybe my approach in being very frank about that means they don't want to work with me. But I think that's good. I mean, that actually is one of the reasons why I started a podcast, because I thought if somebody's thinking about approaching boss equity and they want to get a feel, listening to the podcast is a good introduction. If they listen to those podcasts and think, wow, this guy, Mark Edwards, I can't stand him. That works as well. You know, (laughs) If if they can identify and they think, yeah, okay, I can work with this guy. That's a good starting point us to create a relationship because we really do create a partnership in order to be able to to work successfully together. You know, I I sit behind that table with them in wanting to help that, that business thrive.
1: So it's interesting, this idea that you have introduced that in any business, there's going to be areas of strength and areas of deficiencies. Probably most people building a business have the aspiration that all areas of the business will excel. But that's probably not a practical assumption, is it? I mean, every company is going to have its weaknesses, right? And, and if that's true, what does that mean from the perspective of how companies are valued? Does that mean that the weaknesses are taken into account, balanced against the strengths?
2: Yes, that, that's, that's interesting because when you're looking at the exit strategy, sometimes having a very clear weakness that we're aware of and we're willing to discuss can actually be quite an interesting element of an acquisition. So a company that, for instance, has very good technology, has some very good managers, but perhaps they're not great at sales, but they've they've created quite a name for themselves, combining with a company that is very strong in sales can look at that business and say, that's what they've achieved without a great sales process and without great salespeople. Bringing in our salespeople and the network that we have that's going to be a multiplier on that business. That's going to make a significant difference. So bringing those two organizations together is like two pieces in a jigsaw that fit perfectly. The value proposition of the total as a consequence could be much, much higher. If you look at an organization, and this this, this goes back to training that I had years and years ago when I first started in MA, and a and that wasn't just in software actually, no, that was all types of businesses, but, The the fundamentals stay the same. If you're looking at a business and you think, you know, great marketing, great sales, even if it's a retail shop, you know, it's in a great location, they've got a good product, good staff, good marketing, everything about it is good. And you're looking to acquire that business. What are you going to add? What are you going to improve? Where's the headroom that you need to create? You want to create a more valuable business. So what do you do? If you can't see it, then that's probably not a smart acquisition. If you're not bringing anything to the party, then where's the where's that growth? Where's the extra value that you're looking to bring? Because ultimately you are going to sell that business. I know people don't always think that way. They think, you know, we're just going to keep it. I don't want to exit. You know, I'm going to pass it on. Well, you, you there's there's only sort of three routes, isn't it? Is is you're going to sell it. Is is it's going to go bust or you or you pass it on. But essentially even if you pass it on to to you know the next generation, you, you are effectively selling it to them as well. So you need, you need that, that business to be a strong one, and you need it. you need to be able to exit it. And sometimes these things are forced upon people as well. You know We, we often are approached by companies where perhaps a key shareholder, active within the business, has suddenly got a health problem. then that can be very difficult. So one, one, one tip I would say is you always need to have an exit strategy in place from the first day the door opens because you start to look at your own business in a different way. But secondly, you always need to be ready for, to sell that business because, A, you could be approached and be given an absolute wonderful opportunity because your business is very strategic to a much larger organization. And secondly, something can happen within the business. Partners fall out, people become ill, and then everything needs to happen really quickly. So preparing a business and getting it, as one of my clients once said, match fit, help us to get match fit for that exit is an important step.
1: I've heard this really interesting perspective shared by a, an investor with me that said, uh, I hope I don't screw up the way they said it, because it was really powerful. They said that great companies are not sold, great companies are bought. And what they meant by that was that there's there's a difference between when a company is awesome someone wants to buy it but when you're building a company and you want to sell it to someone else they're kind of like eh, i wasn't really looking for that and there's there's a difference i think really what they're getting at maybe is the difference in sort of the energy or whatever and the the lesson inside that i'm curious what you think about this the lesson inside that what they're saying was a little bit counter to what you're saying which was focus on building a great business and eventually the the right moment to sell it will appear rather than saying you know in, in 3 years from today, 36 months from today, we're going to sell to this type of company for this type of money. What's your take on all that?
2: Well, first of all, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that an exit strategy means that within a certain time frame for a certain amount of money. What I'm saying is, always be ready for that potential event. Doesn't mean that you don't have a particular time frame and sometimes that makes sense that it may be that that there are people that want to move on to do something else. But I think it's It's treat your business as something separate from you. So all of those things that you would need to do in the preparation for the sale of a business, you should be doing on an ongoing basis. If you get the organization right and you do it in the right way, actually, it shouldn't be a lot of extra work. The things that you would do, for instance, around due diligence, well, having a central deposit, or data room of where you store information about the company, should you not be doing that anyway? Putting it in a format, which means that it's understandable and readable from anybody that you may want to open up that data room shouldn't you do that anyway you know so an exit strategy doesn't necessarily mean i'm setting a particular time frame uh, by the way the, the sort of the side point in that is almost i would say probably 80% of the time if you speak to a company who's not actively engaged in an exit and you ask them what's your time frame they usually say 3 years it's nearly always 3 years <laughs> it's probably even higher than that it's it's quite funny i think as re- as regards Great companies are bought. I think that can happen because as I said, if if it's the right acquisition and there is a really good strategic fit and you're making one-on-one equals three, four or five, the combination of those two companies together makes a new value proposition, then I think, yes, that, that does happen. But I've also seen two companies being brought together, and it's an absolute disaster because people just don't know how to go about that. And they lose a lot of the true value within the business, which is very much linked back to people. Acquisitions, you know, I hear this all the time, where a company is acquired and they get caught up in a process and they forget that you've got human beings involved in this. The company is acquired and they actually say, I'm not sure if I want to be in this, this business anymore. And they go find another job. Well, leaving with them is an awful lot of value, so all of that needs to be taken into consideration. Which means even thinking about the culture of the business doesn't mean you can't change things. You can't create a, a, a new entity. Quite often, that's the case. You need to make some form of strategic transformation and get everyone's noses pointed in the right direction. But you need to know how to do that, and you need to take into consideration the value and where it sits within that business.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting challenges you just introduced there. So let's talk about the uh, the people, right? Generally speaking, the majority of the company that's being acquired had no involvement in the negotiation. It's just one day they're told, hey, we're part of this other company now. And probably in most cases, what a lot of those people first think, I assume it probably goes through hierarchy, but it's probably like first, do I still have a job? Am I going to get laid off? If I have, if I still have a job, will I hate, Parts of how it's going to work now. Will I like who I work with? You know, those kinds of things. And that's probably where a lot of people start thinking about, hey, maybe this is the time for me to move on to the next thing. How do we, how do companies who are going through this right now, the leaders of these companies, what's a good thing that you've seen companies do that helps those employees feel like, hey, this is actually good for me. And I wanna be part of this. I wanna help it succeed. Change is good. How do, we, how do we make that feel like a good thing for their employees?
2: By being open and honest with them at the right time. And, it, and you can't inform all of the staff, all of the employees within that business during throughout that process. There comes a point, you know, that it does need to be confidential, but there comes a point that they do need to be informed and there'll be probably different members informed at different times the more perhaps the more senior executives are are informed at an earlier stage but when when it is made public you need to make sure that the first impression that they hear they don't hear from lots of other sources they are given the an honest uh, appraisal and a vision of why it's been done and what that means and it needs to be an exciting vision and and if it's not then you need to rethink why you're making the acquisition. And I think you also need, and the point you made is, that there's also going to be people that are concerned about their jobs. You know, they've got family, they've got obligations. What does this acquisition mean to me? And it's very easy to rumors to start because of fear and people get the completely the wrong idea. So I think you, if there are cuts to be made, they need to be made very, very quickly. And then people, and then the story told, you're needed Don't worry, your job's not at risk. And this is why we're making it. This is the vision that we're wanting to create. And these are the benefits we believe it will bring to you within the business and the business as a whole.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's that's really good advice, not only to communicate, but to express why, right? Like, even if the why for a founder might be like, hey, I just want to, you know, it's time to monetize our effort or whatever. But usually, I, I feel like it's not always the main reason right someone's building a company want to sell it yeah of course they want to monetize some of that effort but they see the bigger vision of how these combined companies can create something else and and that can be exciting so that's that's really good advice
2: that's very true actually And and i've seen that a number of times and i think a lot of people when i tell people what i do i think that they see it in a particular way that it's people cashing out because they just want to put millions into their bank account when I'm speaking to, to owners and shareholders, quite often they'll be saying to me, I need to enable this business to get to the next stage of growth. And I don't think I'm the person to drive that business forward. And that's, that's, that's quite inspiring. And I think that's saying, you know, there are people, and again, I hear the same sort of thing. There are people within this business that have been very loyal to me and have done a great job. And they've been with us years and years. I think we're starting to reach... The limit of where we're going I, I that's not of interest to me i don't have those skills i've been doing this for 10 or 20 years i need to go and do something else i've run out of energy i need to go and take some time off and i might come back you know all of those reasons are very very valid and it's not just i want to cash in and i want to get a lot of money
1: yeah yeah all of those do sound inspiring, except maybe the one where it's like, eh, I don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> I feel like a lot of employees who follow a leader are like, well, then I don't want to do this either. But um, yes, that's <laughs> maybe mine is that one. Even if that's true. Even if that is exactly what's happening.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. I think, no, I think it's sometimes...
2: It's that they like the environment of, of taking a smaller business. And it is different. Running a smaller business is very much different to running a middle or a, you know, a medium size or a very big business. They like the challenge of what you need to do in those early days. They like the idea of bringing an idea to, to fruition, to create value within a business. And then uh, once it reaches a certain size – one of the things that has been said to me quite frequently is my job now is more about managing lots of people. And I don't think I'm the great ma- a great manager. You know, I can go out and I can come up with the ideas. I can drive forward the technology. I can do the sales. But managing a lot of people, I think we need to, that needs something else. That needs other people within the business. That doesn't interest me as much. Or sometimes it means, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I need to go and do something new. And I think we all come, we all get there. It doesn't mean that that is not a good opportunity. I think sometimes you just need to go and have a change in your career.
1: Yeah, I mean, you certainly see that across the you know the average employee pool, right? In any company, there's an average turnover, and it's usually for that reason, right? People, I mean, yeah, they want to ex- advance in their career, they want to make more money, but they also want a new challenge. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's happened to you. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get to a certain stage, and you think actually, I'd just like to
2: go and do something new, do something different, because it, I think it can be energizing and done in the right way. It can be very, very positive. You can still take with you those skills from another area and apply it. There's always a lot of things that we're learning all of the time. I think if you're open and you've got a flexible mind, that's one of the most exciting aspects I find, uh, you know. And, and for me right now, the speed of the software tech industry is the most exciting it's ever been. And you're having to learn all the time because what worked five years ago, three years ago, probably doesn't work today. Things are changing, but that's great.
1: Yeah. Well, Mark, you've given so much exciting insight and wisdom around this topic. I really appreciate it. Uh, As we come to a close here, is there any parting wisdom that you wanted to leave our audience with? I would say
2: probably predictably is enjoy what you do. Don't be fearless, but fear less and i just made that up actually
1: <laughs> i love it i was like wow so I, I need that so a it's complete nonsense
2: means... <laughs> you can cut that out but no but i do genuinely i think you have to move forward positively you know I, I for me and i can only speak personally i i enjoy the challenge of learning every single day and moving forward and you have to do it you know you're not totally without fear you don't just charge forward like a fool But you need to always reduce the fear that people tend to naturally have when you're moving into new situations. So don't be fearless, just fear a bit less than probably you do most of the time. And you'll enjoy it more. It reduces the stress.
1: I love that. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been awesome. Thank you very much. I enjoyed being on your show. Thank you very much, Ted. Everyone who wants to learn more about what Mark is up to or the show itself, just head to tedherrington.com backslash podcast, and we'll catch you next time.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology cybersecurity and society.